Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, and it says this. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Father God, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts and that we'd hear what the Spirit would say to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I'd like to talk to you about our theme for 2014, and that is community, life together. And we're going to be looking at the New Testament church for about five or six messages. We're going to be taking a look at the New Testament church and seeing how in the book of Acts, at the very beginning of the church, how did they function? What were they like? What did they do that caused them to grow so incredibly? What was it that God did and what were the characteristics and qualities that they possessed? The last time I spoke with you, we talked about the importance of connecting and how the New Testament believers connected first to the Spirit of God. Jesus said these words, do not leave Jerusalem, don't leave town until you've been endued with power from on high, because I have a promise for you. And so the first thing they did is they connected with the Spirit. The second thing that they did is they connected to the Word of God. And it said that daily, every single day, they gathered together and listened to the apostles' teachings. They were together in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. They were gathered together for a time of prayer and for a time of teaching. And also they connected to the people of God. They connected to one another. Today I want to take being connected a step further and talk about this idea of you and I being interdependent. You and I being interdependent. In other words, meaning that you and I as the body of Christ, that I depend upon you and you depend upon me. And we depend upon the person beside us. And in America, that's something that's very hard for us to value interdependence. Because in America, we teach people to be strong. We teach people to be independent. I don't need you. That's what we teach people. We teach people to grow up and be a big boy so that you don't need anybody's help. You don't need anybody's handout. You don't need anybody's support. You can do it on your own. But in the body of Christ, we're not designed that way. We are designed for relationship with one another. We are designed, and if we're to function as we are supposed to, if we do this independence, this attitude that I don't need you and I'm not going to depend on you, if we do that, we're going to miss out on many of the great miracles that God wants to do in our lives. We're going to miss out on being able to care for other people and to function as God designed us. Now, if you look at the scripture we just read, there's something that's implied. 
It's not explicitly stated. And that is this, that they devoted themselves to each other. In our first point is that they devoted themselves to the body of Christ. Okay? They devoted themselves, it says they devoted themselves to the teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer. But what that really says is they devoted themselves to one another. Not just partially, but they committed themselves to the body of Christ. And I want you to see that there's a progression that takes place. The people heard the good news. They heard about Jesus, that Jesus had died upon the cross and that he had resurrected. And they devoted themselves to Jesus Christ as their Savior, as the Messiah. But there was an understanding in the New Testament church that if I'm going to be devoted to Christ, I will also be devoted to the apostles' teaching. In America today, we can be devoted just to Jesus. In America today, people would tell you that, well, I have a relationship with God, but I really don't like the church. I love God, but I hate his bride. I hate the teaching. I don't want to hear the teaching and I don't like his people. There's something wrong. A dysfunctional relationship. If I married my wife and I said to her, listen, honey, you know, I love you, but I hate your mom and dad and I hate your sister. I don't want to hear anything she has to say. And and if she says to me, well, I love you too, but those kids, you know, those kids of yours, I hate those kids, your family. Oh, just keep me away from them. That's a dysfunctional relationship. And in the church, what God designed the church to be is that the people would respond to Jesus as their Messiah. They understood that it's, I need to commit myself to the apostles' teaching. I need to learn more about him. I need to understand what he says because when I hear his word, I start to hear his heart. Okay, when I start to hear his word, I I understand what it is that he's asking of me. And they also were devoted to fellowship. So every day, these people were serious. Every day they gathered to hear the word of God taught. And when they gathered to hear the word of God taught, they would pray together. We're here together. We may as well have something to eat. who, Who brought some bread? Who's bringing the potluck? You know, who's bringing the stew next week? So they gathered together and they broke bread together. Have you ever heard the saying that some things are better caught than taught? You ever heard that saying? And this is what's taking place. They're gathering together. They're hearing from the apostles, the teachings of the word of God. They're fellowshipping together. And the spirit of Christ, because the New Testament church believed this. They believed that when two or three were gathered together in his name, they believed that the spirit of Jesus came down amongst them and that literally that he walked amongst the candlesticks, that he walked amongst them, that as they gathered together, his spirit would come down and they would sense his spirit in a more powerful and a real way than what they did with just by themselves. As they were together, there were spiritual things that were being caught. There were spiritual things that it was more than just teaching There were spiritual things and truths that were being caught. There were attitudes that were being caught. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you can be around people? Or maybe, let's say this, let's say your kids, because it's always better to pick on our kids. It's always better to pick on them. Let's say your kids go to school and they start hanging out with uh, one of the kids down the street. And you start to notice that your wonderful children 
start picking up some of the habits or the attitudes of the other kids. And you're like, did you notice that whenever Jimmy comes home after playing with Billy, he has an attitude? It's like, there's some things that are caught. That's why it's really important to friends that we choose. And so whenever the believers would gather together, the spirit of Christ that was in them, it was like the more they gathered together, the more the spirit of Christ began to grow in them. And it was like the spirit of Christ that was in them responded to the spirit of Christ that was in others. And it caused them to grow and it caused them to be amazed at who God is and to learn and to expand. They were devoted also to the word of God. They heard it taught. They were praying and fellowshipping with other believers. And the word of God impacted the way they thought, talked, acted, and believed. What they devoted themselves influenced them. And the word of God incited faith in their hearts. What does the scripture say faith comes by? Hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. If you want faith to grow in your hearts, then what do you need to be listening to? What do you need to be exposing yourself to? The word of God. 47 people this year from our church between the two services read through the whole or read or listened to the whole Bible. 47 people. That's incredible. But the reason why we promised you a dinner for that was because I understand this. I understand if you listen to the word of God, faith is going to rise up in your heart. And it's worth a trip to Shady Maple to see faith rise in people's hearts. Faith was incited in them. And when faith was incited, we find in the next verse there, when faith is activated, lives are transformed. Miracles happen. Is it any wonder that the scripture says that everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles? Now, faith is the currency of the kingdom. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to do what? To please God. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Faith is the thing that causes God to respond. Abraham, by faith, it says. By faith, he acted. By faith, he believed. And by faith, he, it was credited to him. His faith was credited to him as righteousness. Before he did anything, his faith was credited to him as righteousness. And so it is faith that moves the hand of God. It's his trust in God. Their faith grew and their devotion to the body of Christ grew as well. The second thing I want you to notice there is that they devoted themselves to a lifestyle of community. They devoted themselves to a lifestyle of community. And it says this, verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, when we hear that, that kind of gets some of us nervous. Can we be honest? When you start hearing that kind of community, you get a little bit nervous. And especially like if you've worked hard and tried to do well. I was talking to a very wise young lady this week. And I asked her about the title of our message. I said, Logan, should the title of our message be about sharing? Or should it be about interdependence? 
Because I talked to her, I had a lot of my message done, and I talked to her about what I felt was God was speaking to me. And should it be about sharing or interdependence? Because the people shared what they had. And we talked for a little while, and she said, sharing is more than just I bring bread and you bring water and we sit down and eat together. There's something more than that. What the New Testament church had, it wasn't just goods, that you, you, but you depend on people for emotional support. You depend on others for spiritual support. It's not just sharing things. It's about sharing your lives together. It's having someone to talk to and having someone who can listen to you and someone who will give you advice when you need it and someone who will just simply be quiet when you need it. It's about being willing to watch your friend's kids so that they can go out and have a time together as a couple. So this idea of what the New Testament church, it was more than just, okay, we're looking for someone who has some property that we can, you know, we can get something from you. It was about interdependence. And interdependence is a dynamic of being mutually responsible to and sharing a common set of principles with others. If you look at nature, you can see that much of nature is interdependent. A bee. What is a bee dependent upon? What? Well, bee makes honey. And the Winnie the Pooh is dependent upon honey. What's a bee dependent upon? A flower. A bee needs a flower. If it's going to survive. But the flower needs the bee just as much as the bee needs the flower. For them to both accomplish what they're supposed to do and for both of them to survive and to thrive, the bee needs the flower and the flower needs the bee. Whenever we think about in economics, we see this interdependence with globalization. A political crisis arises in another country And it causes layoffs at a local plant. You're like, how can what is going on somewhere in the Middle East cause a plant in the middle of Ohio to close down? This doesn't make any sense. But that plant in Ohio might be relying upon that country to purchase their goods or they may be relying upon the natural resources from that country for them to be able to do their production, those resources from that region. A lifestyle of community is not just saying that you have something and you're a Christian, so you better give it up. That's what some people think that community is. When we talk about sharing, what it is, is it's like, okay, well, you've worked hard or you've tried hard or you have something, and so you need to share it and you need to give it up. Well, there's a lot of people who, let's just be honest, you know, the church is great at sharing. There's many people in the church, they got this sharing stuff down pat. They've been made feel guilty. We've said if with children, we teach them, we teach Jimmy to share. You don't have to teach Jimmy to be selfish. You do have to teach Jimmy to share. Share your toys. You don't get all of the toys. We're not really good at interdependence. We're good at sharing. Well, because I know I, I have to. 
I'm, if I'm a good Christian, I got to come and there's so-and-so and I got to give. I know, I know that's the right thing to do. I may not really want to, but pastor's going to make me feel guilty if I don't do it. And I knew, I knew he was going to do this thing and he's going to ask me to give something. That wasn't how the New Testament church was. They were good at both giving and receiving. And for many in the church today, we're good at giving, but it's hard for us to receive. It's hard for us to let someone do something for us and not pay them. Because, well, I got to pay my way. It's hard for us. It's difficult for us to be on the end. It's like we understand that I'm supposed to give and I'm supposed to serve and I'm supposed to work, but I'm also supposed to be able, listen, according to scriptures, what they had, there were people who at moments and times it was their turn to give, to share. And there were other times when they had a need and they were supposed to be able to open their hearts and get rid of the pride and be able to receive from someone else. It's not just material things though. Some of you, as I said, some of you need to learn to receive. You need to learn to let others help you. You need to let others be a blessing. Most of us would say, I want to be a blessing, but you need to allow others to be a blessing. Do you know that encouragers at times need to be encouraged? Those who have the gift of encouragement and, and able just to, you know, just, just to build others up, there's times that they need that. Do you know teachers need to be taught? That teachers need to have times of refreshment and teaching? Do you realize this? That teachers also need students. Just like a student needs to be taught, there's something inside of a teacher that longs for the chance to share something with someone else. Because it's in sharing something with someone else that they're going to be blessed. The prophet, like, oh, it's awesome to have someone who's a prophet, who gift of prophecy. But you know what? That prophet needs someone who will hear the word of the Lord. Just like you may have a gift. And today we don't see, you know, we don't see too many people in our society today who would say necessarily, well, that's a prophet. And yet God speaks his word through people. It may be something that the Holy Spirit puts upon your heart and moves on your heart and you don't even realize what's being said. But as you speak, you're literally speaking the words of God. And as you do it, there's such a sense of fulfillment and joy that comes into your heart. Leaders need people who will go with them. Leaders who God's gifted people, he's gifted them to the body of Christ. And we say, wow, what a neat gift. I wish I had that gift of leadership. But leaders need people who will go on the journey with them. Now, the New Testament church depended upon one another. Each of them had something that they could share to meet the needs of others. Each of them were in a place where they were a blessing to someone else. Do you realize this? Do you realize this, that whenever the Bible says that when you give, it's more blessed to give than receive. And there's sometimes that there's people who need to be able to give for God to bless in their life. They need to be able to give of themselves. They need to be able to serve of themselves. And they have all of this stuff that God's poured into their life and they need to pour it into someone else and give it to someone else and share it with someone else. And you think it's a burden. 
Well, you think it's a burden for them to listen to your problems. And they're saying they're longing to be able to be there for somebody because they say, you know what? In their heads, they say this, I've gone through so much. I've suffered through this difficult time. I hope it's not for nothing. And whenever you come and share your need or your situation with them, it allows them to make sense of all that they've gone through. And so they say, God, that's why you let me walk through that. Because now I can walk with him through this situation or through this circumstance. Now I can help somebody else. And it's an incredibly fulfilling experience for them. And so the New Testament church was a church in which each person's gifts and talents and abilities were shared with others. And it made a difference in one another's lives. And the third thing I want to say to you just quickly is that they devoted themselves continually. Have you ever noticed that sometimes we devote ourselves to something and then a short period of time later, we kind of lose that devotion? Like we're really committed to a project. Maybe you have a hobby that you like and you started doing it and you spent the money and you built something in your garage because you were gonna be a woodworker and you built a shed out in the backyard and got all the equipment and you got the wood out there and then after a while, it kind of got old, huh? And you're like, oh yeah, that's, that, yeah, I had to do something with it. How many of you have a treadmill at your house that when you bought it, you said, honey, I know, I promise if I get this, I know I'm going to get up every morning at 5.30 and do three miles a day. I know I'm going to do it. And, and it is like the most expensive clothes hanger that you could possibly have. But there it is in your bedroom, in their basement, somewhere in the house. You were devoted to it at one time, but after a little while, you lost your devotion. And the New Testament church, you know what they did? They devoted themselves continually. They devoted themselves to it, and then they devoted themselves to it once again. They kept going back to those basics. In verse 46, it says, every day, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Notice that it says every day. The New Testament church did not take a nonchalant approach to staying connected to the body of Christ. There was this understanding that if I don't stay connected, I'm going to die. If I don't stay connected to the body of Christ, I'm not going to survive. Sometimes difficult times are good, though. You know, sometimes there's situations. Have you ever been in a situation where you just knew, if I don't depend upon God, I'm not going to make it through this situation? I have to wait on him every moment of the day. I I can't step out. I'm not going to survive if I don't. For a lot of our guys who are doing the program, you're learning that that if I don't stay connected to God, if I don't do this work, if I don't do this process, now, well, why do I got to pray every morning? What if I just pray like every other week? Isn't that good enough? Now I'll tell you what's going to happen. In a very short period of time, you're going to lose interest and you're going to fall away. What if I don't fellowship? You know, what if, what if I don't fellowship? What if I fellowship every couple of weeks? Who said that you got to go to church on a weekly basis? I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. In the Bible, they gather daily. 
So you're kind of catching a break here. Who said that you have to, you know, that you got, and why do you got to go to church? God's everywhere. I like worshiping him on my couch with the remote in my hand in between commercials. That's where I like to connect with him. That's where I feel connected to God. Come on, man. We can't kid ourselves. We're fooling ourselves if we think that we can survive apart. The Bible talks about the branch that's cut off, how it's not going to survive. And the Bible also says this to us in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. It says, just as the body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body. It will not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I don't belong to the body. It will not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And then skipping down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Can we just talk just for a moment about the frustration in the body? One of the frustrations of being a part of the body of Christ is is sometimes we become dissatisfied with who God made us to be or the position that he has us in at that moment. And we look around and we say, boy, wouldn't it be awesome to be? And we look at a person and we say, wouldn't it be awesome to be like them? Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to do what they do? I wish I had these gifts. I wish you'd made me different, God. I wish everybody else would see how gifted I really am. And I'm really not happy with who you've made me. I want to be someone different. I want to be something different. And yet the scripture says that God has placed us, that he's placed us in the body where he wants us to be. And without you, imagine if the foot says, I'm not the hand. And so, you know, I don't want to be a part of the body. Imagine how difficult it would be to go around with just one foot. It's like the whole body is handicapped. There's a loss. The success of that person, the challenges of life are much greater for that person who's missing that part of the body. And God has designed you and he's designed me in a unique way in which he's going to use us. And I just wish that some of us could just be like satisfied that God knows what he's doing that whenever he finished making you, you know what he said? He said, man, it's good. When God finished creating you and creating me, he said, it's good. That's what he said. When God finished making mankind, he said, it's good, it's good. He was pleased with what he's done. And so my prayer for you is that you will allow God to make you into the best person that you are supposed to be. 
Not trying to be like somebody else. Not trying to fulfill somebody else's calling. But saying, God, can you just use through me? Can you just flow through my life? Can you just let me be the best that I can possibly be? Whatever my place in your body is, whatever my place in in your kingdom is, let me just be the best person that I can be in that calling that you've placed upon my life. Not asking God to change us. Not asking God to make us or causing us to be resentful. One of the other things that I noticed about the body of Christ is this. I was talking with with Logan again this week, and she said, or a couple weeks ago, and she said, she said a pretty profound thing. She said, you know, Dad, she said, I realize that whenever I'm passionate about something and other people aren't passionate about it too, it makes me angry. I feel like they're disrespectful. If, I, if I'm passionate about something, if there's something that I that see it's really important and other people aren't as committed to it, it's frustrating and it makes me angry. And I thought that's a lot, that's a pretty good insight for a teenage kid. Because of who God created you to be and how he's placed you in his body, there's gonna be things that you think are the most important. There's gonna be things that you're passionate about. And you'll look around at other people and you'll say, why can't they have the same burden that I have for this? Why can't they be passionate about it too? I guess they're just not as spiritual as me. I don't know if we fit together. Yes, you do fit together. That's why God's brought you. That's why he's placed you in the body of Christ because he wants to flow through you. And he's gonna give you insight into other people. He's gonna give you direction. He's gonna give you burdens that other people will not have. It's not possible for them to have. As much as you tell the ear to smell, it'll never be able to smell. Come on, ear, can't you smell that? No, he can't. Come on, try harder. See how important it is. The ear cannot see how important smelling lasagna is. It just doesn't make sense to it. And there's other people in the body of Christ who will not have the same burdens or desires or passions that you have. That doesn't mean it's bad. It means that's the way God created them. And the bottom line is you're not gonna last very long apart from the body of Christ. And saying this, you're desperately needed in the body of Christ. You're desperately needed. Some of you say, well, Pastor, I'm getting older. I don't have as much energy to give. Friend, you're desperately needed in the body of Christ. Do you, you know that the body of Christ needs you? Do you realize that? That God designed you and he created you and he's placed you within his body and he has a place for you. And if you don't fulfill that, it won't get done. A dog can walk around on three legs or two legs, but more is so much nicer whenever that animal is whole. And it's so much nicer when the body of Christ is whole that, that they're fulfilling what God has called them to do. And I'll tell you what, you'll find your greatest fulfillment. You'll never be more satisfied. Nothing in this world, no recognition, no accomplishments can ever satisfy like finding your place in the body of Christ and just being, just being who God wants you to be. Not just striving, not just struggling, just being who God wants you to be. And being able in those times that whenever you're in a need, being able to receive. I don't always have to be the encourager. You don't always have to be the encourager. You can have someone who can encourage you. You don't always have to be the teacher. 
You can have someone else who comes alongside and encourages you and helps you. So as we pray, can you just stand this morning? I just want to pray over you as a congregation. Just feel like I've done a very inadequate job of telling you how desperately God needs you, how desperately his kingdom needs you, and how you were created. You were created by God to fulfill a mission and a plan that no one else in all the world will be able to fulfill. There's men who no one else will be able to touch. No one else will be able to reach them but you. There's ministries that if you don't step up, they will not be fulfilled if you don't do it. And I know people say, oh, well, Pastor God will send somebody else. He's designed you and placed you there. And he's called you. And he wants to use and flow through your life. What you have to offer to God is not insignificant. What you have to offer to God is amazing. Now, Father, I pray for these men and women within the sound of my voice. And God, I ask in Jesus' name for the ones who find it so hard that they're always willing to share. They're always willing to give. They're always willing to serve. And they find it so hard to be able to let other people minister to them, to share their needs, to be vulnerable, and to depend upon someone else. I just pray that you'd begin to break that in our hearts. And I pray, God, you'd teach us to be dependent upon one another. We don't see it as prideful, but Lord, so many times that's the root of it. To not be so proud that we can't say, I need someone's help. I need you to pray for me. I need you to walk with me. I need to talk to you. Father, I pray that you would use us to build one another up, to strengthen one another, to carry one another's burdens, Lord. And Father, I pray for the calling that you've placed upon each of our lives. The Bible says that you placed us there by your design. God, the New Testament church depended upon one another and they devoted themselves to one another. God, I pray that the church here at Lighthouse, and not just Lighthouse, but in our community surrounding us and around the earth, that the church would rise up and be whole because people take their place seriously. Father, I pray that you would allow us to find the fulfillment and joy that comes from knowing that we are in the very center of God's will. Lord, I pray if there's someone who needs to hear that today, pray that there'll be something that just rings out in their heart. They may say, I don't really feel like being in this place at this moment. But God, you say that the situations and the circumstances I have you going through is this at the very center of my will. You don't understand all that I'm doing in your life. So God, I pray that we would find that place and Lord, that we would serve you with everything we have. May we be devoted to one another in love and in mutual support, Lord. And may we be not so proud that we can't depend upon one another, but that we depend upon one another as you've designed us to. And we'll praise you and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.